This episode of All the President's Minutes is brought to you by Bella Catering. Bellacatering.com.au is the place you can find Sydney's best catering company. And now that we are eking our way out of COVID, they might be coming back. So follow them up. See if they're available for catering because why the hell would you even bother cooking? Got my daughter's birthday coming up. We might not even cook. We might just get Bella Catering on it. Huh? Why not? Thank you so much for listening to everything that we're doing on One Eight Minute Productions. It has been a crazy world this week. It has been a crazy few days for a lot of our American listeners. And I'm so thankful uh, that hopefully this episode, which a show that of ours is steeped in American politics and history and journalism and, you know, the impact of doing what's right, um, often intersects with contemporary political issues. And we do a little bit, but I'm pleased to say that this is an all-round silly chat with two of my favorite podcasters in the world. And here's a clip from there. Great show. Another worthless vagrant. I've heard those words before. Worthless vagrant? I've heard those words before. Those are the exact words that David used when he talked about how he received on Mountains We Stand to you. It was handed to him by a worthless vagrant, a street bum. Those words, so specific. Very, very specific. This is, uh, I mean, it's all kind of swirl. I feel like I'm in a swarm right now. <laughs> You're the titular swarmer. I'm the swarmer. Oh, I feel, I feel sick right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to spew. We're so far away from the talking robot that Rocky's brother falls in love with. <laughs> We're so far from it. So I'm on David's Facebook page right now. Guess where he lives? Where? Sheffield. Do you remember anything else that's come up in Sheffield? No. Ochre Dyke. When we looked up the book Ochre Dyke, the only thing we found was that it's like a little bubbling creek in, <laughs> in Sheffield. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I will have a panic attack. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. Dear listeners, Alexi is standing right now. He's pacing around the room. He's pointing at me. Oh, I'm freaked out. There's one other thing that I've just thought of that I've not looked up. Mm-hmm. This is in the original Drago on Mountains We Stand that I've had for so long. It's been in there the entire time and I've never, ever thought to look it up. This is the dedication at the start of the book, before the author's note, after noise signature. For Keith Holmes and Stephen Tomlins, boys standing tall. Can you Google Keith Holmes? Yep. Okay. Uh, an American boxer? It makes sense. It's a book about Rocky, a book about boxing. Yeah. I looked up Stephen Tomlin's, nothing. I went back to David's Facebook page, looked at his friends. He has a friend, Stephen Tomlin's. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. It is the 116th minute of Alan J. Pakula and Robert Redford's 1976 masterpiece, All the President's Men. And... We're in the midst of the American election as we're recording this. These are my first two guests after the American election has sort of happened because it's all still up in the fucking air and no one really knows. I'm graced. I, I'm most proud that I can occasionally get filmmakers on the show. And first and foremost, you're not going to believe it. I'm here with the director of five movies, five masterpieces, John Cazale, <laughs> and the director of The Fart. 
mm. ladies and gentlemen. Mm. I'm mm. talking about Australia's two most dynamic and influential investigative journalists at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I'm talking about the hosts of Finding Drago and Finding Desperado. I'm talking about some noy boys. Yeah. I'm talking about the hosts of yes. the Total Reboot Empire. They're two of my favourite people in the whole world. And also they are a Woodstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An Alamoran, a Kalexi. I don't know what they are, <laughs> but they're my guests today. It is Alexi Toliopoulos and Cameron James, my friends, legends. Welcome together, finally, back to All the President's yes. Minutes. Finally. Yes, we, we finally it. got on together. Yes. We did it. Yes, We've finally. been trying to do this for almost a full year. Oh, what a dream come true. Thank you so much for having us, Blake. And it's a, a privilege to be here in the midst of... Of an election. I can't believe it. Yeah. I've been following it. I can't take my eyes off it. I think Nixon's going to beat him at the polls. <laughs> I think, I think Nixon's got this one. I think he's got yeah. it. I think that Canuck letter for McCluskey is really going to impact uh, those votes <laughs> in, in, in Maine or wherever the fuck is left. So many... <laughs> Australia, Australians literally don't care about our own elections. Like we go get the sausage roll, we literally yeah. forget who we write in the polls. Who is it? I don't know. Just not, not the, not the guys on the right, on the far right. Oh. Just the other guys, whoever, yeah. whoever they. I just and the guys in the I middle, love right. like every Australian's take. I'm like, how can they let this happen again? I'm like, hello, wake up! You live in Australia. You've been doing this for like so many years, putting the same dumbasses in control. Yeah, it's 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 very it's it's so funny. It's just that they can just flagrantly ignore it when you're in the States, right? Like there's just no, you, they're, they're not thinking about, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe they ousted Julia Gillard and they voted in Abbott. I yeah. can't believe it. <laughs> can't wait to see some Americans takes on like Albanese. Does he have what it takes to bring Australia to a new age? Just one day. Look, look, we've had 11 months of one campaigns. Day. I just want Love one it. day of Fox News all about the Australian election. Like, that's what Please. I want. I mean, I know that uh, I know that our former Prime Minister, Mr. Kevin Rudd, is uh, currently doing a petition to stop the monopoly of uh, the Murdoch press in this country um, and over 500,000 signatures to get that going and wow. <laughs> um, some really hilarious uh, posts by Batuta Advocate uh, going ham on all of the negative coverage he's currently so, getting in the Murdoch press while he's doing that, which is excellent. But I just think, like, honestly, just I want one American Fox News like hour just dedicated to our election because it's just it's riveting you can't take your eyes off it I've been doom scrolling on my phone don't dare look at your screen time in the last couple of days it's awful but here we are gentlemen we're talking about finally this movie which I was hoping that there would be like a positive election process for because so far the beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, look at this movie. It's a lesson about journalistic integrity. It's like got a lot to comment on the contemporary state of politics, both in Australia and America, of course. Um, and it's about, you know, like holding political powers to account and now Trump just has an even bigger cult. Like, I just don't understand. This movie may as well be a fantasy. It might be Star Wars or Dune or whatever. Like, it, that's what it may as well feel like as opposed to the movie that I started with. But I'm kind of glad that the world is starting to, like, cool down. Votes are actually being counted. It's just a crazy time. It's a crazy time. And you've picked the right people uh, <laughs> to discuss journalistic integrity with. Because you, bet. you betcha. If any, if anyone has it, it's the two of us. We do our due diligence. Mm-hmm. We uh, check multiple sources. Mm, multiple yes. pages on Google.com. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we yeah. go up to page two very often on Google, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. will cross-reference a book to Wikipedia every now and then. We Absolutely. will look two sources, yep. and we will... This actually is true. We will use every online comment we find. We do not change it at all. We get them read out exactly oh, by yeah. our actors as Typos written. intact. Typos are Typos and tense. I and all of all of the comments in your later show read like there's Nigerian princes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's, just you know making money, making money uh, for have good <laughs> prosperity. Um, it can be very difficult to uh, direct voice actors with that kind yeah. of stuff. Please, please don't fix this. I need it as ugly as it sounds yeah. when you're yeah. reading it in your head that's what I, what i want to hear so and it was it only it was my... only just like a couple of days ago that alexi was like we didn't have to do that you know we probably could have <laughs> yeah. we probably could have tidied up some of that tense and language and i was like oh yeah no i, I no one we else like it though we like that verbatim quality so, and i also i think when we direct the voice actors it actually is my favorite part because we have to try and get them to make it sound natural to read like a comment <laughs> with spelling errors and weird tense and like commas in the wrong places or run on sentence like to get like a great actor like we've got some great actors in this series to get them to make like a comment that's set online to sound like actual dialogue <laughs> from a movie is like maybe my it's most like learning favorite Shakespeare part of or something. Thing. It's crazy. Absolutely, I, it's mm. my favorite part. I I just want to say for folks if you if you aren't familiar from that florid introduction, these two amazing gents had the Finding Drago series immediately right now as you're listening. Go onto your preferred podcast app, find it. I don't think it's on Spotify, but it pretty much is everywhere else. I use Pocket Cast as kind of my home base for podcasts and myself. So I know it's there because that's where I listen to it and save the show. Um, their latest series, Finding Desperado, uh, another incredible series that already capturing the imaginations of people i've been seeing a lot of the people engaging with it looking doing some internet sleuthing themselves going down the rabbit holes it's just brilliant um and and i, I that's the other thing about doing like an internet mystery oh. like some dude online could probably get to the same point we are in one freaking yeah day. i know someone did someone did yesterday someone was like hey just letting you know i've caught up to and then he just listed a bunch of stuff and i was like yeah, yeah hey full disclosure that's you're up to about episode three yeah but yeah. there is there is there is more there coming. is more cut you haven't got to the end you, of haven't, it you haven't got to the end um so firstly congratulations on the first series but secondly as you guys are coming back together how fun is it to get the band back together because the first series for people listening was alexi going down the rabbit hole of um mm. the drago on mountains um mountains we stand and now cam you've brought to to him the incredible 2005 Guinness World Records 50th anniversary edition with a fact, <laughs> with a fact to stump him. It's, I mean, you guys sound like you're having a blast, which is, I, I think, why I went back and listened to the first series. Does is it was it as fun doing this later series as 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 it sounds? Oh, it's a, it's an absolute blast, and like as Alexi can attest to, and I think I told a little bit about this last time, Blake. This is just what uh, I do in my free time anyway. Mm. I'm yeah. always going deep down rabbit holes on bullshit that is inconsequential. <laughs> so to get to do it with your best friend um, and get a little bit of money for it is fucking great. It's a dream that's come the, true. That's the dream. The yeah. dream. It is. The dream. Um, Alexa, you're on the side saddle for this one. I mean, for anyone who listened to the Finding Drago series, I'm not spoiling too much, but particularly towards the end, there was some... Um, 
there was some anointing. There was a role that you were required mm. to play that you took, and Cam surprised that you had accepted a role uh, uh, in part of a internet conspiracy um, was all sort of very shocking to him. You're now on the side saddle. I'm hoping for some revelations and some uh, anointments later on in the series. I'm excited, but you're in the side saddle. Is it fun? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's more, that was like the first like creative decision that we made going into a new season. Like we were like, let's do it like a sequel. What can we do to mix things up? And like the first decision we made was like Cameron's going to be the lead, so he's got to find the story. And that was just like an idea for us to like mix things up, change the dynamic around a little bit between us. So it would still feel very familiar, very fresh, even though we would be doing like the same kind of like, <laughs> same kind of mystery. would just feel fresh by having the roles switched around of like Cameron being all in and me being a bit more skeptical, I guess, this time. Well, I'm excited to see how that plays out. What's fun about that your series that you, you're both working on now and this film is that the dynamic also of who's the focal point of the investigation has lots of tipping points in this movie. There's some great Woodward mm. scenes. There's some great Bernstein scenes. Like what I would call like, I guess the quintessential scene of the movie is a Bernstein scene with the bookkeeper. And, and you have mm. these, you know, great long cut scenes where Woodward is on the phone and he's, he's talking to different people and getting the revelations across with different voice actors. So it's really fun. And we come here in the perfect moment, these boys together, finally sitting down, at Macca's, at Macca's together, yeah. doing a little bit of um, reasoning together, Hoffman and Redford, about how to approach a fact that they know to be true. And what's so cool, hopefully a lot of the folks have had a chance to have heard of Finding Drago. One of my favorite moments in the series, Cam, for you was your frustration at a certain point of your previous investigation where you guys were kind of ahead of the people you're investigating going, this is the truth. They don't want to play ball and don't want to give it to me. So it was fun to hear your tradecraft, you boys, basically you saying, Cam, Cam going, these sons of bitches won't tell us the truth. And Alexi, <laughs> and Alexi's burgeoning optimism. Right now we're at this beautiful moment in this movie um, where there's sort of the same situation. They kind of, they want the freaking truth. They know that this is a fact. They are sure that the story is solid. But right in this moment, they kind of have to do... They have to make a mistake. They have to push it. Mm. They have to go a little bit further. And we're seeing the final moments of their interaction right now in Macca's before they go to see Slippery Hugh Sloan, played by yes. Stephen Collins. Cam and I were oh, uh, a, a very, quite a complicated character indeed. <laughs> um, now are on reflection. But mm. let's if you guys are watching at home and you want to just refresh where you're up to and you want to watch it before you listen, um, it is one hour and 55 minutes on the dial up to one hour 56, the 116th minute. Cam, Alexi and I are going to watch that minute right now. You guys are going to listen along and then we're going to come back and talk about it. I can't go now because he's not home yet. He may not be answering, but he might be there. Uh, We've already written the story. We just need you to define a couple. Dever's Dev in the hospital, and my in-laws are coming. Two over. questions. We understand. Two questions. The cash that financed the Watergate break-in. Five men had control of the fund. Mitchell stands with Ruta Kalmak, and we have confirmations on those four. We just found out Holm is the fifth. I'm not your source on that. We're not asking you to be our source. All we're asking you to do is confirm. I'm not your source on Haldeman. Okay, look. When you what? when you were questioned by the grand jury, you had to name names. Of course, everything they asked. asked. Yeah, all right. 
Say we wrote a story that Holderman was the fifth name. We don't quite get that. What I loved is I'm literally talking to two guys who I heard do this exact play, this exact play, but it was in an audio <laughs> form in my ears going, all right, say we say this to them in this moment, following the pattern of who was that great, your great, it was your mentor, uh, great Australian Anna. documentarian, Anna. Anna Brunowski. Yeah. Anna Brunowski. Phenomenal, phenomenal, hmm. phenomenal person to hear on your show. Anna coaching you guys with those questions this is that this is exactly that kind of moment so uh, it kind of lined up perfectly for us to talk about um mm. a great little scene a great little scene you guys must feel like you're watching yourselves just you know without the without oh, the corduroy yeah. of course well actually i wanted to give you a quick <laughs> update blake so last time i was on your show i let you know that i had just purchased a tan corduroy so proud of you jacket i was so proud of you like it's <laughs> it, uh, it's it was one of the happiest i've been in this whole show <laughs> I'm not going to um, lie. Uh, uh, it has since arrived, and i got to tell you, I don't like it. Oh, no. It's not good. It's um, it's two 70s, oh. it, which would be great if the rest of my wardrobe was incredibly 70s, mm. but I'm wearing, like, normal shirts with this, like, 70s yeah. wide-collar cut yeah. tan corduroy jacket. It looks wrong. We need to, I don't look uh, like Robert Redford. Uh, yeah, hard to match a corduroy jacket with a rugby team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I looked at everything. I tried on so many different combinations and went, I'm just not... At the end of the day, I didn't order Robert Redford's face. <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult. There's many, yeah. many people have come to that conclusion, and I haven't been brave <laughs> enough to buy myself corduroy pants in this entire thing, but I keep seeing them. <laughs> I keep seeing them on the screen every day that I'm doing the research. Those targeted ads. <laughs> Those targeted ads. Literally, Google is like poisoning my timeline. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great moment, and I guess you know, you guys now. Um, having a lot of fun making these investigations happen together, you must come to these moments all the time now. Like, and 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 how we get then get to hear them on the show is such a fun thing, um, going together. So, like this scene particularly, I was just like, wow, this must be you guys all the time. Like, how, how are we gonna how are we yeah. gonna tackle this next person? Yeah, it's such an interesting thing where, and, and I think you you kind of nailed it just before where you're ahead of your interview subject. Yes, mm -hmm. you know more than they're telling you, so you're trying to be like creative and seductive in your ways of letting yes. them just say it. So you've actually officially got it on the record. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it can be so hard, so difficult because sometimes you feel yourself forcing it and then they can sense that you're forcing um, you're going down a, a, path. a certain sentence out of their mouth and they don't want to play along. Oh, it's painful. And there's other times where it's like one of us is in the interview and the other one is a support like unit for them, yeah. like yeah. writing questions on the fly and stuff. I think those are like almost the tougher ones because you're just like, I just want to grab you and make your mouth move <laughs> to say the words that I need you to say to get this response. But it's just like, it's so, it's... It's so weird to just try and manipulate someone. Yeah, because that's ultimately... <laughs> it's actually quite hard. It's, it's ultimately like what, what, what has been happening through this is like there's this delicate dance that we dance around sometimes with words with journalism, which is that you're, you know, and, and even in entertainment journalism, as you know, some of us have had to do, like whether you're doing an interview with mm. someone or whatever the case may be, mm. buttering someone up to ask, you might have 10 really softball questions. And if it goes really well and you establish a rapport, you're going to hammer that one question in. You know, like it's that one question and, and, and literally the whole interview is that one question, but it's all mm. that, 
confirmation and nice and let's play nice. And I think that Anna Brunatsky, coach, you Cam, on that element, you know, those elements, I think in one of your interviews um, in, in the previous series, which is like, confirm the story, listen to them, say, oh, you yeah. sound smart and this and that, and oh, this is, must be successful and that's a great idea and all those sorts of things, you know, and, and then the one tough the one tough question. And when you stump someone, it's like the, the, the flow of the conversation is like a train crash. It just like, mm. Oh, there's all this beautiful rhythm and then crash. And you're like, yeah. Awkwardness yeah. is deafening on a podcast. Oh, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> You don't want it to feel awkward. Like that's the other yeah. thing. Like as much as you want the answers for us, at least when no, we're not actually Woodward and Bernstein, like the stakes are fairly low, like <laughs> awkwardness and embarrassment are like the high stakes of us fucking yeah. up an interview or fucking up a conversation. And like, that's what we don't want to do. We, we're nice boys. We want everyone to well, you did get ha- in enjoy trouble. the Alexia, game that I we just, play. Fair point. Speaking of mistakes, you did bug yourself to record yourself at the State Library of New South Wales yeah. and then had the head of the ABC come and have a chat with you about journalistic ethics. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a fun one. That's a fun one to happen during a, during yeah. an investigation. It was a huge learning experience for me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot about doing that and about what I should be asking to do, who I should be recording. <laughs> so it was a lot about journalistic ethics that was not covered in my past <laughs> semester of doing journalism before I dropped out of it twice. <laughs> so uh, they don't teach you that in uh, film history class, which I majored no. in. You know what else they don't teach you is like sometimes you're emailing people for months before you get an interview with them. Mm-hmm. And no spoilers here because I won't say who, like one of the people, one of the many people we spoke to on this podcast mm. was difficult and didn't want to speak to us. So I was emailing them for months and sometimes I'd get an email at midnight and I'd have to mm. snap into this persona of like their friend very yeah. difficult to like muster enthusiasm and stuff. They were sending me photos of their dog. I was sending them photos of my dog just to, mm. just to be friends with this person. So they would agree to say yes. Oh my God. And look, I've maintained the friendship since we finished recording. Oh, that's good. But it is, it is difficult to do at midnight yeah. when you're like, God, just say yes to the interview for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me get you on the record. And, please. And, and it's just closed door after closed door. And I think in this moment, that there's that whole like I will do anything to come in. I've got to say it. Oh, just two seconds, two in, two questions, two questions, two oh, seconds, man. two questions. It's so it's so awkward to watch. It's like they're um like door to door salesman here trying to. Yeah. It's like Glen Gary Glen Ross. Yes. Just trying to get their foot Uh-oh. in the door. You said the magic words, Alexi. Uh oh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I uh, put that coffee down. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> coffee is for closers only. Oh my god. Oh, you think I'm fucking with you? <laughs> Oh, I am not fucking with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. That was so good. Really wonderful stuff. <laughs> Can I ask when you did that as your monologue um, mm. for HSC, did you yeah. have a pair of brass balls that you pulled up? No, I grabbed my crotch. I oh, grabbed wow. my... Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, aggressive. I actually grabbed my crotch. Yeah. Far I out. grabbed my crotch. I played it as a slimier character. Slimier than Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yes, I did. The man who I called was... his own daughter a piglet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going more Ray Winston, probably. Oh. I'm down. You know? ta- I'm from downtown. I'm from, <laughs> from Mitchell Murray. Murray. 
Yeah, it was so good. It was one of my highlights of my life. A 17-year-old chubster <laughs> doing the most heinous <laughs> monologue of all time. Oh, what a sexy beast. What a sexy beast. <laughs> Indeed. 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 Oh, my goodness. But, like, uh, you know, for better or worse, as investigative journalists, you've got to play these games. And, and watching these guys, and I guess <clears throat> the great kind of, the great kind of challenge that they've got in their in their position of sort of authority on this is knowing the facts and then having mm. being able to verify it and have people go on the record is a completely different story. And even just one, so many times they've done this. Like when you look back at how tenuously they've maybe had a confirmation, then started mm. getting someone on the record or made someone comfortable that there were others out there talking. Because that is in this tense life and death environment that's what it feels like mm. right they're just making people yeah. feel comfortable so that they can say other people are talking other people are saying that this bad shit went down maybe the blame mm. will be shared but in this moment like i mean it's so it's so weird but like <sighs> slippery hugh sloan stephen collins who at this mm. time in his actual life is doing really dastardly things and goes on to continue to do them like there couldn't be a more perfect human being to embody like slipperiness, lying, deception, yes. uh, like, you know, oh, uh, deflecting blame. And it's such a, I don't know, for me. I, the corruption of America. Yeah, uh, all those things. Because he looks so, like, clean cut and he's always yeah. played, like, freaking goody two-shoes and stuff. Yeah. And little did we know, the guy was a piece of shit. <laughs> P.O.S. Uh, you know what? Like, we we called him Slippery Sloan last time and stuff as well. And then I read a little more about Hugh Sloan afterwards and, you know, Woodward and Bernstein claim that he's just, like, one of the most upstanding people they ever interviewed. And he... That's crazy to me. Because, I mean, I, mm. I guess they see him as a bit of a hero because he he was one of their main sources. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yet I, I can't help but see him as, as a little snake. Well, and, and, <laughs> I, and I, I feel like... I feel like they probably respect it, like... They respected that he was someone who would go on the record to a point, and he ended up being yeah. so influential as someone who went on the record for them. So once he goes on the record, the challenge, though, is for a lot of these guys, they're always just protecting themselves. Like, that's the mm. thing that, like, whenever I watch this film and whenever I die, whenever we're, like, dissecting a minute, and especially cool, Cam, to talk to you again um, about Sloan, because it was sort of one of the last times we ended up talking about him again, was just that whole thing about, he knows that if he mentions it, or at least he's got a sense, if someone goes on the record and says that name, Gruber, like if someone goes on the record and says that, it's me. Mm. I'm the I'm the yeah. loose end because there's no one else that's gone on the record. So if I say it, then I'm cooked. And so, yeah, um, yeah like you can see he's trying to protect himself. You can see he's doing what he's doing. But also it's, it's tough, you know. I mean – you guys have had dead ends after dead ends in your own little investigations. And we're talking about something for fun. Like imagine when the dead end yeah. is like the buck starts with this guy. Bringing down democracy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be really, it'd be fucking so stressful. Yeah. I'd also probably be knocking on people's doors in the middle of the night and mm. peering through their window, which by the way is a shot uh, that I had never noticed until watching this minute for the third time that you see their silhouettes, their through, silhouettes the through the window. Yeah. Peering into his home. It's that kind of classic extension of what Pakula does so often in this movie of like that split diopter shot yes. of like having so much in the foreground being necessary and then stuff in the background being just as necessary in kind of like a, a premonition-like way yeah. where it's like we are about to see this unfold and then we get them coming in and tag-teaming him. 
this is like such a good scene because we get that that tag teaming performance between Redford yeah. and yeah. and Hoffman as well. Like seeing the difference between like their interview styles. And I think at this point, it's almost like they're matching each other because we are so far in the investigation. They almost do speak with one voice. And and they're, they're bouncing off each other, which is wonderful. But what's also really cool is <coughs> there's none of the uh, like... I don't know, none of the like posturing or none of the facade that we're seeing mm. later where they've pre-prepared. They're like there and they're practicing. Mm, yeah. all, all right, what if I said, like, it's like, oh, yeah. I'll say yeah. oh, what if I said, and it's like, I think maybe if we're, if they're talking about the real guy and not Stephen Collins as Sloan is like, they'll probably, maybe they're most authentic with him because they're literally asking mm. him ways to get the information out that's going to protect him. That's going to give them the yeah. information to go forward. And like, every single minute, every single second of this movie, we've been rolling up to this and I just feel like I'm standing on a precipice right now. Like we're on the precipice of an mm. election. We're on the precipice of all this stuff happening. It's like they're about to do something that's really stupid. And ultimately this movie ends up, you know, the, the large majority of the rest of the movie is them fumbling and trying to reconcile this mistake until mm. they have to start turning it around. And it's just such a, you know, for what you feel like is, oh, there's all this like frenetic energy and oh, we're going to get it. It's like, oh, this is the thing that's on the knife's edge. This is the thing that you cut a corner. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen, have you seen, uh, you might have, Alexia, but have you seen Ron Howard's The Paper with Michael Keaton? Um, I've never seen it. Glenn Close. No, uh, yeah. No. A good one to watch for, you know, for your just, um, just for general like uh, comparisons, I suppose, in like journalism flicks. But the yeah. the f- pure dodginess of Michael Keaton in that movie, like of like the 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 like Ooh. the hair of a fraction of a bit of information that he'll take or he'll like observe on another mm. journalist's notepad or do this sorts of thing. It's like you're like, oh no, that's normal every day. I can imagine that journalists probably have no integrity, but like with these guys, like they're doing everything mm. again. The stakes are higher, and this is just like one story. So yeah, it's really funny to watch how like what what the tolerances are between what is like journalistic integrity just even like a decade difference of two movies like 80s versus 70s because like here it's like got to be right down the line you know fuck it we'll stand by the boys you know like we feel like they got Mm. it right and in the paper it's just it's all over the place how the hell have i never heard of this movie good good cast at it now the paper the cast is amazing who we got in it close tomei Randy oh Quaid, my Lord. Robert Duvall, music by Randy Newman, directed <laughs> by Ron Howard, written by David Kep. Kep. Yeah. Whoa, this sounds awesome. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. I think. Holy moly! I think it's on Australia. I think it's on Australian iTunes for us. I think in the states it might be on one of the <clears throat> one of the streamers. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I may have just. I reckon Cam it. and I are both watching it tonight <laughs> yeah. for sure. It's may have just uncovered a new favorite it's, already. It's pretty wow. good. There's a lot of Duvall. Like there's one really. Great scene where um, Robert Duvall, who smokes like a chimney and may have um, prostate cancer, is like coughing his lungs up. And it's it's in a meeting room that's probably about as big as each of the rooms that we're in. And he, there's like 17 people in there with him. And he coughs spit all over Glenn Close. And she just like cops it. And I'm like, that is the most 80s wow. pre-COVID <laughs> shit of a guy like coughing without his hands over oh. his mouth. It's the grossest thing ever in a COVID time. It's like, oh my God, oh, everyone in that room's got good COVID. Lord. Um, but uh, no, it's it's... You know, it's it's got a lot of good qualities and a lot of great fun actors in it. Um, and yeah, and and what you what I didn't realize uh, until watching the paper is that in Spider Man Homecoming there was a paper reunion of Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei because and they, Marissa Tomei. they played a couple. 
Well, there you, there go. you go. Of course. Exciting times. Um, you guys now in your investigative series have started basing it off of uh, a little Hannibal named Cannibal rather the the Silence of the Lamb series is your main inspiration mm. and the previous series was Rocky. Um, could you give us, without sort of treading too uh, uh, spoiler territory, why you immediately started feeling like you're wo- you're working in the realm of Silence of the Lambs for finding Desperado rather than Drago? Because I think these guys are about to jump off their own, jump off into mm. their own new part of their investigation, which is actually breaking through to the other side and and either quitting or uncovering this thing. So, can you tell me a little bit about like why you immediately felt that affinity for Silence of the Lambs? Well, I mean, episode two is out today already. Should mm-hmm. we just say why, Alexi? Yeah, maybe Blake. If you don't mind, we will tell you. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to the episode straight away. I'm excited. I'm 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 really excited to hear the second episode in the series. <clears throat> well, I would say that it was like our, another one of our early decisions was like, oh, we should go full Silence of the Lambs on this <laughs> one because we're like. We didn't know what it was going to be. We were like, we have to find like a, a, a aesthetic influence. And we both always end up talking about Sons of the Lambs as like this great procedural film. And um, we always knew that we had like a secret weapon this time, like someone that could help us like get into the mind of another fabulist out there in the world. <sighs> And so we always knew that we were so going to have good. Hannibal Lecter character so in this series. Oh, so <laughs> they would good. come up so very often here and there to help us kind of get in the mind oh, of so someone happy. that is deep, very deep within their own lives. Yeah, so oh. that was that was a very early decision. I think Alexi just riffed it one day. He said, you know, we've mm. kind of got a Hannibal Lecter if we need someone. And immediately we started, we were at the beginning stages of writing the show and immediately mm. everything circled around that. Oh, and it all just became yeah. it is, oh, that's, procedural. That's with a strike this, of genius. Yeah, this elusive man. So we've got we've got access to a Hannibal Lecter who can help us get into the mind of them. Oh, mm. I mean, and, I know, haven't, there's I a have, European element to those movies. So we, we yeah. tapped into that as well. I haven't said this on this show that much. I know I've definitely said it on your uh, show, Total Reboot. Um, I'm aroused right now. I'm deeply aroused. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's an arousing time to be alive, um, in in the realm of podcasts, perhaps not in the rest of the world. Um, uh, right now, (laughs) perhaps not not the rest of the world, but I haven't checked the polls. (laughs) Well, Well, Blake's checking his poll as we speak and it (laughs) turns out it's way up. up. (laughs) We're up in Nevada. Um, no, well, (laughs) <laughs> um, but while uh, while we're in our giggle mode, I want to say another thing about this scene was like I love that tail end of them having the meeting in the McDonald's because I think that that really hits on something I like about this movie is because it's so covert and so undercover is that they live in like this nocturnal world, yes. which is like not something you always mm. see in this kind of journalistic procedural film, because a lot of the time it has to be above water. There's one that has to be like completely underwater, completely secret. So they're like working 24 seven around the clock. And I think there's something so authentic of two people stuck in like this job that is like a passion and a complete drive that takes over their entire lives to the point where that is the only possible place they could possibly eat that time. And I think that's something very relatable to Cam and I who have shared many of a dark night of a soul at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, but it's it's that that lead-in even, it's, you know, and, and the great transition of scenes is 
Bernstein comes home. He, he he looks like he's got like a bag of groceries, a couple of papers, mm. and he walks in the door at night to answer his phone to Woodward, and, and who goes, "I got another lead." So he hasn't left the office. He's like, "You go home." Yeah. And it's in the twenty or thirty minutes it's taken him to even like just stop by the store and maybe grab a coffee yeah. or whatever. He's like already on the phone. And it's like, uh, "I got to grab a bite to eat. We haven't eaten, so we have to have a meeting right now. So we just need to eat." Like. You're not coming over. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing to cook in my house. I'm going to eat, you know, we've got to eat here. And so then all meetings take place in public in that, in that sort of thing. And it's like, there is no off the book time. And the yeah. romance of Woodward, um, Woodward still talks about this at some sort of functions and things like that. And does definitely date him and this investigation, but he's like, you know, the way that I got some of my biggest story breaks and way that we got it in Watergate is literally going to people's homes and compelling them at their front door to tell us the truth. And, you know, a lot of people, when you're, when you're there in their home and, Hmm. and they don't Hmm. have the pressure of the work or buildings around them or the, and they've got their family around them and the morality and the influence of their family around them, they're going to say it. So even in this moment, especially his wife's not there, she kind of gave the gold seal of the boys to be allowed in the house. Um, He's, you know, washing up, his wife's still in hospital with a baby and, we get this this moment where they're trying to dance around. Please just give us this damn lead. Give us something. Um, and it's, you know, there's not a lot of closure, but I think that that's um, in the minute that we're talking about. But it's a, I, I love the tete-a-tete. I love when they say each other's lines. So and I think I imagine with you guys having mm. a script of questions, yeah, having a script of questions that you've maybe accidentally interrupted one another at, at mm. occasional times to bump in for a question or something. It happens. It happens. You, <laughs> get, you got to do that. It's just, you guys start being in sync, but that's great. Look, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really amazing. Okay, cool. I also love seeing their, um, like, I, I don't know if we even talked about it that much last time, Blake, but red Redford and Hoffman have this surprising chemistry that I never would have picked. If mm. I were to blind cast, you know, a film and have those two actors in it, I probably never would have thought, yeah, they could play sort of equals or they could have this this sort of bizarre charisma. I don't know. There's yeah. something about them that just really yeah. works. I think it's just hot, laid-back guy with short, <laughs> um, neurotic guy somehow. <laughs> but he's kind of a hot, neurotic guy at that time too, old Hoffman. He he's still he's pretty true. spunky. But it's he's not the Rizzo um, as uh, as Alexi would no, love to talk about. It's not mm. like um, Woody Allen and what was his hot friend Alexi? <laughs> Tony Roberts. <laughs> Tony Roberts. It's not Tony like Roberts. That. Yeah, yeah, Tony yeah. Roberts. yeah. 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 Um, I always I it's a quote that's like been in my head my whole life from like seeing this movie as a teenager and like watching like the documentaries about it. And there was always like Dustin Hoffman said that. Uh, he wanted to like he spoke to a costume designer or a makeup person saying like you need to make me hotter than Robert Redford in this movie and I've always found what? that so delightful it's, <laughs> it's delightful yeah. really it's delightfully deluded isn't it it's absolutely delightfully <laughs> deluded but to you to put all the effort into making oh. him hot it gets just halfway yeah. there which is what you need <laughs> yeah. to go up against Redford is that true yeah, it's a real quote from like one of the documentaries about this. Where it's like an interview with him, where he's like, "Yeah, that's what I told him. Like, you have to at least make me as hot as Redford." Because he was shit. like, you know, how do you how do you even approach? How that? can we just say how good are makeup people for tolerating that shit? Oh, like, and just go, yeah. just like yes. playing playing like the psycho psychotherapist for for Hoffman and be like, yeah, "Yeah, you're gonna look great. We're gonna make you look so yeah. great, Dustin. We're gonna give you a mullet." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> We're gonna give you a prototype of the mullet. Your, it's the a prototype your, mullet. We hear it's gonna come into fashion in about eight. Your years. hair is gonna bounce. It's gonna pop. It's gonna be party down the back. I mean, he's not a bad looking guy no, at all. Not at all. But but Robert Redford is um like like stunning. what like an eleven. Yeah, he's, he's eleven. Yeah, out of 10. and this he's absolutely stunning. And this, We're talking spinal tap numbers <laughs> on this. Yeah, it's that dude. hot. He goes all the way to eleven. But it's. Um, what's really funny is I, I I just want to jump on what you said about the chemistry. It's it's always the fun game, and I think it's the game that like really proves that they do have amazing chemistry. When people are like, oh, who could who could have been cast at this time? Like recast mm. as new Hollywood actors, and the the one the only other pairing I can really think of is like Fonda and Nicholson in in Easy Rider. Like these oh, two, com- yeah. uh, 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 sorry, Nicholson and um, uh, uh, Dennis Hopper, like, like yeah. that trio of guys, they always sort of complement. There's sort of a wild, like neuroses. And then there's kind of like an all American cool. And then, you know, mm. you know, they kind of have the same, that same energy. And it's like, you can totally see a, a hot, um, Hopper going crazy as a Bernstein, like having the neurosis and like Fonda being yeah. cool. But like, they're literally the only two of that time that I can think of because of the looks and the mm. energy mm. If you put a, because some people talk about there was a potential that Pacino was going to be um, Bernstein, and it's like, no. you know, Al's no, he can do, he can do it. He, He's he can turn it down. Yeah, no, he can, but it's just like the there's so few movies where there's a really hot dude that he's there around all the time. Like there's the great James Khan, yeah. like does have a set of pins on him, but like, oh, I'll, what if it was Khan and Pacino, man? Come on. Too scary. Very Come aggressive. I, they, hey, no one would lie hey, to hey. them. No one would lie to them. I ever. would never let those motherfuckers in my house exactly. late at night. If I'm washing the dishes and I see their silhouettes, I'm closing the blind. Oh, I'm out. And of also, here. like Wood, uh, Woodward, played by one of the most Jewish actors in the world, doesn't make sense. Oh. If it was done I mean, maybe... nowadays, I see it as Michael Sarah, Jonah Hill, and Christopher oh, wow. Mintz Plus oh. as the editor. And they all interchange. <laughs> they all swap around. They swap every night. Uh, <laughs> they swap every night. Yeah. Frankenstein well, lifestyle, dude. I've started watching uh, Justified, but Timothy Oliphant and Walton Goggins. I could see those. Yeah, four. totally. Wow. Go- I mean, look, I'm a massive Goggins fan. Uh, a really good friend of mine and a friend of the show, Jordan Harper. He's a screenwriter and an author in the States. He's He's got a brilliant book for, uh, I always like to remind people who are listening, called She Rides Shotgun, which is just amazing. Um, and Jordan... Uh, he he wrote uh, the, a pilot for an LA Confidential TV series, which unfortunately never got picked up, but it was superb. And Ooh. and Walton Goggins played the Kevin Spacey Jack Vincennes part in. Oh, the, wow! And he was good casting. Like just Chef's mm. Kiss, sublime. What era was this? Is this recent? Yeah, recent years. In the last couple of years, I'll um I'll wow. uh, I'll offline uh, see if uh, Jordan's happy for me to share, and I'll absolutely give you boys a look at it. But it, that'd be sick. Like, oh yeah, from last year. Yeah, it's like 2019. Wow. Because yeah. I remember they had the LA wow. Confidential pilot from like oh dude. contemporaneously to the movie, and it was like Kiefer Sutherland no, or something. No, no, dude, you're gonna love this car. I'm looking at up the cast right now. Walton Goggins, obviously, okay. and next love him. next build guy. Shay Wiggum. Shay Wiggum, baby. Whoa. Shay Wiggum. We love Shay. We stand Shay. <laughs> Our boy Shay. Yeah. We love Shay. Cam and I are Shay Wiggum's managers. And, and, we try to get the word out about it. And, and I, I think Walton Goggins can do anything. I think he could be Woodward yeah. or Bernstein. And he so could, could Shay. Yeah. Shay, we got to look up the You know Shay what? Do any yeah, role. Goggins, Shay. Shay Wiggum could yeah. be a good Bernstein. He could be a ripping Bernstein. Oh, yes. He's yeah. got a... He could even play freaking Nixon, dude. This guy could do anything. I'm <laughs> can't do anything. <laughs> can't do anything. <laughs> 
Where's, <laughs> where's your Shea total? Wig. Where's the total respect for Shave Wigan podcast? Where is it? We should oh, just where do is it? We should all just do it. Parts. <laughs> he is awesome in this three-minute scene yeah. from uh, Two Detectives Bad Lieutenant Two. Porter Oh, my God. He's wonderful as the yacht, oh, he's the yacht captain in Wolf of Wall Street. Uh. Oh, I adore him looking down at Joker from the top of them steps. <laughs> my Lord, give him the Oscar. But well, we do love him. We love him. We love total, him. total respect yeah. for Shea Wigan. Yeah, we time. pay total respect to the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been so much fun. You guys are the absolute best. Um, thank you so much for being a part of all the President's Minutes now for your third episode, first episode yes. together. Um, mm-hmm. It's been awesome to have you and genuinely uh, Finding Drago is a masterpiece of a series. I'm loving the new series. Thank you, boys, so much for having me on your awesome Total Reboots as well. Um, oh, we love you, Blake. come true. you got to come we back We stand on. you. we, we got to get you back. <laughs> we stand Shea Wiggum and we stand total, total, We're trying to get respect. a procedural with you. You and Shea Wiggum as the two leads. I'm in. I'm in. I'm ready to shave my face in any manner of a complimentary <laughs> facial hair to Shea Wiggum. I'm ready. Uh, I'm, I'm so ready. Uh, um, please, guys, tell uh, the, the folks listening. Um, I, I'll obviously plug it in the outro of the show, but please plug the living daylights out of anything you guys need to plug. Uh, well, we have got Finding Desperado. As Blake said, it is our new mystery investigation into the mysterious and elusive and the youngest filmmaker of all time, Sidney Ling, mm. a Guinness World Record holder that we believe faked his freaking records. Oh. A couple of phony records, a couple of fugazis up there, and we're trying to debunk them. <laughs> follow episode follow by the episode, Ling. week by follow week. Follow the Ling, baby. Yeah. Follow the Ling. Follow the Ling. We're following those Ling leads, dude, and we're trying to get to him. And um, also, we've got Total Reboot, and you just did an episode that co- that kicked off our new mini series where we're talking about a cannibal named Hannibal. Indeed. The mini series are all about the Hannibal Lecter movies. We did the episode on Manhunter with you because you are Australia's Michael Mann expert. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And it was awesome. It was so oh, much fun. It was so much fun. Got- now- I rewatched it again after we talked about mm-hmm. it. It's just a fucking great movie. And, and uh, gentlemen, now, because I know that you'll thoroughly enjoy this, I'm going to read you a private text exchange between Maria Lewis and myself. <laughs> after, My Lord. Uh, after, after she uh, actually, um, after she listened to our episode. Okay. Here we go. Okay. For as much shit as I give you for loving Manhunter... It was a very enjoyable conversation, very thoughtful and way more nuanced than I thought. And my response was, that was hard for you to write and I love it. <laughs> wow! So total respect on the Manhunter podcast from friend of the show Maria Lewis. No, it was an abs- we stand an absolutely Maria blast, yeah. and I know I'm I'm thrilled that and I'm excited that Maria is coming up on your Science of the Lambs episode. So very very exciting, yeah. very exciting time. That'll be out on Monday. So and spoiler alert, you get reboot. mentioned a few times. <laughs> I probably yes. do. I probably do. And. I'll be honest, not as kind as you just were to her. So. <laughs> Definitely not. I knew I was, well, I'm waiting for it. I can't wait. <laughs> Boys, you're the best. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, man. You're a legend. Two of my absolute favorite people, Alexi Toliopoulos and Cam James. If you want to find Alexi on Twitter, you can find him at, at this is Alexi. Um, search in your podcast feeds for Total Reboot, The Big Film Buffet, which is a Netflix streaming show imprint companion which alexi and i host together every eight weeks or so to follow the awesome releases of the imprint uh films label boutique blu-ray label in australia you guys got to get on that um twitter is the best place to find alexi 
Same with Cam. If you want to follow Cam James, who is a comic as well, I am Cameron James, Total Reboot Pod, Finding Drago, Finding Desperado. The links of their show will be in the show notes here. Um, get on it now. And and, and you've, if you haven't heard Finding Drago, you which you would have heard a clip of at the beginning of the show, you simply must follow it. Thank you so much for listening to all the President's Minutes. Uh, I hope everyone is doing okay. Um, I hope this has been some reprieve. It's been an insane time internationally and everyone is doom scrolling to hell. But we appreciate you listening and taking the time and we hope the show is enjoyable for you. We'll catch you on another episode very soon.